good to see you. Uh, this is like the A-team, the, the coldest week of the year, and COVID, and you guys are here. You, I, I think that means you get brownie points in heaven. I'm pretty sure uh, you might want to check me on that, but 95% sure. Hey, people on Zoom, it's good to see you. Uh, we care about you too, even though you're not in person. You get half the bonus points because you tuned in on Zoom. Uh, but yeah, I'm... <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I'm Jason Hawkins. I'm on staff here with RUF, and I'm grateful to be here with you all tonight. I'm glad that you're here. There's a lot of other things that you could be doing, like a ton, and so the fact that you're here tonight uh, is significant, and I'm grateful. Uh, you know, it's probably about that time in the semester where it's like the first round of tests. Maybe that's why. Everybody who isn't here isn't here. They're like, oh, man, lots of tests. There's grace for that. We love them, too. Uh, maybe it's like your, your first paper's coming up, and you're like, oh, man, I want to do really, really well on this so that I don't have to try as hard the rest of the semester. Or maybe you're like, oh, man, I want to do well on this test so that my last one gets dropped. I always tried to do that. Uh, but maybe you're like, oh, man, this snuck up on me, and this is going to be bad, and I'm going to have to work my tail off to get through the rest of the semester. Uh, wherever you're at, like in that mindset, that's okay. The Lord meets you in that, but that's not how the Lord relates to you. Uh, the Lord relates to you by his grace. We say this every week at RUF. We say that you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and you're never so good that you're beyond the need of it. And so uh, you don't have to work really, really hard to have the Lord love you and receive you and care for you. Uh, but he relates to you freely by his grace offered to you in Jesus. And that's a really, really sweet thing because we'd be in trouble <laughs> if it weren't for that. Uh, but I need his grace today. I need it every day. I need his grace for this sermon. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll dig on into this passage. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious, Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you with nothing, and we, uh, we need everything from you, and you freely offer it to us in Jesus. <clears throat> As we think about this passage, and we think about the ways in which Pharaoh responds to your authority, the way that Moses responds to a situation, uh, Lord, we're confronted by the ways that we respond uh, yeah, just in lack of trust or in frustration, uh, and we ask that you would meet us in the midst of that because we need you. So, Lord, as we think about your word, uh, would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our situations uh, and give us clarity of how to relate with you as we know, as we come to know who you are? So, Lord, be with us as we think about this passage. We need you. We pray this in your strong and powerful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're continuing on in our series on Exodus. It's where we're going to be the whole semester, so stick around. Uh, it's been pretty sweet, and when we've uh, kind of engaged with each text, we've come asking two main questions. Who is God, and how do we relate with him? That's how we're going to look at this passage as well. Uh, we're going to ask those questions, and as we ask, we're going to come to see that God's the one in charge. He's the one with true authority, and we're also going to see two examples of how to respond to his authority. We're going to see how Pharaoh 
uh, rejects God's authority and asserts his own. And then we're also going to see Moses kind of question the implications of God's authority in the midst of his present circumstances. And after we look at that, we're going to look at God's response to Moses, because next week is going to be all about God's response to Pharaoh. And so uh, whether you were here last week or not, it's been a long week. Felt like this past week was a month. And so we're going to give you a little recap of where we're at in the book of Exodus. And so kind of the beginning of Exodus, we've got the people of Israel, God's people, and they're enslaved in Egypt. And Pharaoh sees them kind of multiplying, growing in number, and he's afraid and he's nervous of what's going to come from this growing enslaved population. And so he does a number of things to make life really hard on the Israelites. The Israelites then groan and they cry out to the Lord asking for deliverance and the Lord hears them. And then Moses, who's kind of the main human character in the book of Exodus, uh, he's out and he's next to this bush that catches on fire. And the Lord meets with him there. He speaks out of the bush. He reveals his name to Moses and he, he promises that he's going to use Moses uh, to speak to Pharaoh and he's going to work to bring the Israelites out of slavery, to redeem them, to deliver them from the oppression uh, in Egypt. That's God's promise. And then we get to our passage and it might be some of the most famous words in the book of Exodus where uh, Moses calls to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go speaking for the Lord. And that's where we're at at the beginning of our passage. So would you look with me to the first couple of verses of chapter five? And they say this. Say, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who's the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. The question that Pharaoh asks is the question that we're asking each week. It's a question that Exodus, that the whole Bible really answers. Who's the Lord? And for our purpose tonight, we're going to extend that question. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? That's the focus of our, our time tonight. And this question, it focuses in on God's authority. So Pharaoh asks, who's the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And he says, actually, I don't know who the Lord is. I'm not going to do it. I'm definitely not going to listen to him. I'm not going to let Israel, the people that, that are like my slave population that are doing the work for me, I'm not going to let them go. I don't know who the Lord is. I don't submit to his authority. It's kind of Pharaoh's response. And on the front, we can be quick to condemn Pharaoh for this. And he is certainly the villain of the story of Exodus, uh, but we can be really, really quick to condemn and uh, condemn his response. And while that's easy to do, I want us to slow down a little bit because sometimes we can respond a lot like Pharaoh. We can often be more like him than we care to admit. So Pharaoh, he's the most powerful person in the known world at this point in time. He is the peak. He's the highest authority. Uh, Sometimes he's even seen as divine or at least the closest to the divine as possible, far above all other human beings on earth. And then Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, 
My God says you should let his people go. It makes a lot of sense that Pharaoh rejects that. He says, you know, I don't know who your God is. Why would I submit to his voice? Why would I obey him? And even though it's true, what Moses said is, man, my God has supreme authority. You need to submit to him and do what he says. You need to let us go. It makes a lot of sense that Pharaoh rejects that and does what he wants. I don't know about you, but that was a lot closer to my experience first encountering the Lord. So just a a little peek into my background. Uh, Growing up, I went to church on Christmas and Easter because that's what Americans do for the most part. Uh, But I didn't really, I certainly didn't know the gospel. I didn't really know who Jesus was. I didn't really pay attention, didn't sink in. Uh, But then if you fast forward to my junior year of high school, my sister, she's a freshman here at UNL. uh, My parents and I live in Iowa. And my sister comes to faith her freshman year of college. She understands who Jesus is. She submits to him. She accepts him into her heart. And then she comes back periodically back home to visit. And she, she sees me. She sees my need of Jesus. And she wants to tell me about him. So she shares who Jesus is, what he, what he did in his life, how he died on the cross, how he rose again. And that he desires for me to come to trust in him. And I bet you're thinking, oh man, how did Jason, how did Jason respond? Was he like, yes, I, I love Jesus now. Thank you for telling me. Uh, I, bet the, I bet what I actually did is going to surprise you. Uh, I would physically fight my sister out of my room. Like she would come in, just try to love me. And I would shove, like push her down, drag her out pick her up, throw her out of my door, and slam the door. That was my response when I was first told who the Lord was and called to submit to him, to give up my authority over my life and to submit to him. It's my first response. That was the response that I had for a few months, about six months of my sister coming back and faithfully loving me, sharing the gospel with me. After about six months, I was just like, okay, say what you're going to say. I listened. And then it was another year of me kind of wrestling with a softer heart, learning about who Jesus is, what he's done. It was about a year after that. So about 18 months from when I first fought my sister for sharing who Jesus was until I came to know him. Now, some of you are there like me, like I was, wrestling with the question, who is the Lord? It's the first part of Pharaoh's question. It's the first thing we need to interact with. If you're there, one, I'm just so glad that you're here. I want you to know that RUF is a place where you can wrestle with those questions, where you can wrestle with who is the Lord. I want to know who he is. I'm interested. Um, My hope is that you engage with that question a little more humbly than I did, a little bit more humbly than Pharaoh did, Um, but we want to walk through whatever that looks like with you. Now, others of you, you know the answer to that first part of the question. Who's the Lord? You're a Christian. You know who God is. You submit to him. You love him. You've given your life to him. uh, But you still live like you are the highest authority. You live how you want to live. You don't care what God's voice has to say about different areas in your life. Whether it's drinking 
or how you relate to your significant other or how you lie to your parents all the time. Oh man, the Lord has stuff to say about those things. But the good news is that God is gracious and he's kind. And if whatever those things came to your mind of like, oh man, I'm living like I'm the highest authority in this realm. If we come to the Lord and we just, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I was living my life how I wanted to. Wasn't thinking about how you would have me live. Lord, I need your help living that way. I need your help to live in the way you call me to do uh, because it brings you glory, Lord. And now that I think about it, it's so much better for me anyways than what I was trying to do. And maybe you're in that spot. Others of you, uh, others of you are more like Moses in this story. So Moses, he, he relates with God and he thinks about uh, this situation that he's found himself in. He's obeyed God. God has called him to go tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. But what comes next isn't what Moses expected. What comes next is that in Pharaoh's rejecting God's authority and asserting his own, it makes Moses' life and the life of people that he loves so much harder. Pharaoh creates these impossible working situations. The standard of work was you have to make the same amount of bricks as you had been making, but you're not going to get straw. You're going to go have to pick up the straw yourself. You're going to go find it. It's going to be hard work, and I'm going to require the same amount of bricks. And if you don't meet that impossible standard, we're going to beat you. We're going to physically beat you. That's the situation that comes. And Moses is wrestling with that. He did what God asked, and that is the circumstance he finds himself and the Israelites in. We find Moses' response in verse 22 of chapter 5. So if you'd look there with me. It says, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Man, them are fighting words. Uh, Moses, he had an expectation of what was going to happen after he did what the Lord called him to do. And I think it's one of two things. He envisioned that Pharaoh would let the Israelites go immediately. Or if Pharaoh didn't, that God would work immediately to deliver the Israelites out of slavery. Neither of those things happened. And so Moses is hurt and he's confused and he's frustrated and disappointed and experiencing so many hard emotions. Because he was trusting God's authority. He was obeying what God called him to do and what he expected to happen didn't happen. The opposite of it did in all reality. I just want to ask, have you ever responded to God like this? Have you ever cried out in frustration because you're earnestly trying to follow him, to obey him, to live your life in accordance with how he calls us to, and we're met with different experiences than what we expect Oh man, that happens all the time for me. And so often I take what God has to say and I frame it in my own expectations on my own timeline. And then when that doesn't happen, then I'm hurt. And I cry out like Moses did. Maybe you experience the same thing. 
But I just want to say that's an incredibly human response. Makes a lot of sense that we respond that way. We talked about this last week and we see it again, but God isn't threatened by our humanity. He is long-suffering and he's patient. He's not surprised by our humanity. He's not threatened by it. And we know that that's true because we see God's response to Moses. And so let's look and see how God responds in chapter 6. And remember, Moses just accused God of doing evil and blaming him for the evil that Pharaoh did. So with that in mind, let's look at God's response to Moses. I'm going to read for a little while. Uh, It says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. For God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. That's God's response to Moses. What's he doing? What's God doing here in that response? First and foremost, he's being so patient and merciful, and loving to Moses. The Lord doesn't remind Moses that he already told him that Pharaoh wasn't going to let Israelites go, because he did. The Lord told Moses that in chapter 3, when he was calling him. He said, go tell this to Pharaoh, but he won't let you go. God doesn't remind Moses of that. He's not rubbing it in his face. I told you already, you should have known. That's not how God responds at all. He responds with love and with care. And while he doesn't repeat that part of what he said to Moses, he repeats a lot of other things. He repeats that he is the Lord. He repeats who he is. He reminds Moses of who he is and of what he's done. And we see that when the Lord says, I am the Lord. And if you're looking with me in your your Bible, the there are times where the word Lord is in all caps. And sometimes you can just read and you just look right over that. But if you pay pretty close attention, you'll see, oh, that Lord is capitalized and that one's not. The ones that have all caps are translating God's name that he revealed to Moses in our last sermon. The, the name Yahweh, which kind of means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I, I will be with you, essentially. I care for you. I will be your God. The Lord reminds Moses who he is. The Lord also reminds Moses what he's done. He reminds him, he says, one, I've, I've, I've heard the cry of the Israelites. Also, I appeared to your forefathers, to Abraham, 
to Isaac, to Jacob, and I made a covenant with them. And the, a covenant, it's a weird word. We don't really use it anymore. It's pretty rare. It's a super churchy word. Uh, but a, a covenant is it's a type of relationship, and it's a blend of, of love and law. And so it is, it is more, so much more personal than a contractual partnership. And it is also so much more binding and permanent than just an ordinary relationship. The covenant that God made with his people is a blend of law and love. And God says he remembers it. Is that, when we read that, we're like, did God forget? I could, like, if he did it just once, but he said he did it with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did God forget that he made the, the covenant like three times? It's something we can think about, and it's, it's, the answer to that is no. The Lord didn't forget that he had made that covenant. But this phrase, that God remembered his covenant, is used to connect the following actions that God's promise uh, with, with the connection to fulfilling the covenant that God has promised. And so that's what that phrase means. And so after the Lord has said who he is to Moses and reminded him of what he has done in the past, the Lord then promises what he will do in the future. And so the God, God reminding Moses who he is and what he's done is the basis for uh, Moses believing that God will do the things that he's promising that he's going to do. The essence of who God is and what he's done in the past gives us confidence in God working and answering our prayers to, to fulfilling the promises in the future. When I think about that, we as people at the University of Nebraska, we kind of get this. And stick with me for a little bit because this is a weird turn. But Nebraska, we're a football school. You might be like, well, we're not even that good. But we're a football school. It's who we are. Kind of in our bones. Even when we doubt our football team, we still sell out 90,000 seats. That's crazy. Like in our bones, we're a football school. That's kind of our essence. And in the past, we've had the glory days. We have the great tradition of success and national championships. The last time we won a national championship, I was learning how to walk. Most of you weren't born yet. The last time we were in a national championship was the 2001 season. Maybe some of you were born, but you certainly didn't have the, like, the brain development to cognitively remember those moments. And even with that being the case, it's still in our bones here. We're still like, yeah, we should be good. And maybe in our like self-protective statements, we're like, I don't think we're going to be good this year. But if, if like next season we're in the college football playoffs, we might be a little surprised on the surface, but we'd be just like, yeah, this is right. This is who we are. We're meant to be here. And while, while that's kind of the basis of this, Man, Moses had so much more reason for belief that God was going to fulfill his promises here than we do that Nebraska is going to be a national champion again. And while Moses had so much more reason for belief than that, we have so much more reason for belief that God's going to do what he promises to do than Moses did. Moses had God showing himself to his forefathers at this point in time in the story, God hasn't delivered them out of Egypt. He just has the past action of God being with their ancestors 
and then God showing him who he is, and Moses trusts in him. But we have the person of Jesus. We can see God in flesh in the scriptures. God took on flesh as Christ, and he lived a perfect life. So we get to see who he is as he relates to people. That he loves the poor and the marginalized. That he has the power to heal, to cast out demons. We also see him endure great suffering and pain. We see God, we see Jesus, the perfect image of the invisible God, die on a cross for us. That's what he's done. But he didn't just do that, he rose from the grave. And so we look and we see who Jesus is and we see who the Lord is. That's our answer to Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord? It's Jesus. We ask, why should we obey him? Because we look and we see what he's done. We see who he is, his character, his love, his mercy, his graciousness, his truth, his morality. Oh man, we see all of who he is. We see that he's faithful to do what he promises. And Paul, Paul says in Romans 6 that if we have been united in a death with Christ, we will certainly be united in a resurrection with him. So that's what we look forward to. That's the promise that Jesus has given us. That he is going to return again. That he's going to raise up the dead. That we're going to be raised with him. That he's going to bring justice on all of the injustices in the world. That we're going to live in peace and rule and reign with him in new creation and glory. That's a beautiful promise. It's a big promise too. But we can trust because we see who Jesus is. We see what he has done. And we can trust that he is going to fulfill those promises because of that. We can trust in Jesus and we can obey when he calls for us to surrender our life to him because it's in better hands than when it's in our own. He loves us and he cares for us. He loves you and he cares for you. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you uh, are so good to us. And Lord, you have supreme authority, whether we recognize it or not. Uh, But Lord, you are tender and you are loving and you are just. And there's no one else that I would rather have hold that supreme authority. I pray that that would be a comfort to our souls. As we think about our current circumstances, as we think about all our expectations that we had uh, when we're just experiencing different stuff. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that you're not threatened by our humanity, that when we cry out to you in frustration and disappointment, that you meet that with tenderness and with grace, with love, reminding us who you are, what you have done, and why we can trust in your promises for what you will do in the future. Lord, we love you and we need you. We pray all of this in your strong and powerful name, Jesus. Amen.